Hey everyone, welcome to Minimally Millennial. I'm Shelby. And I'm JP. This is a podcast for young millennials who are navigating their way through adulthood for the first time. If you're like us and have days where you ask yourself, how did I get here? And what am I supposed to do next? Then you're in the right place. So follow us along as we uncover the things they didn't teach us in school, including everything from how to write a check to how to be a boss babe. Together, we will unlock the secrets of adulting and try to answer the question, why did nobody tell me this shit? Let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Minimally Millennial. We have another special guest with JP and I today who I'm going to introduce here in a moment, Um, but we just want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July and thanks for tuning in maybe on your drive back to or from vacation. So um, hopefully this will be a good de-stressing episode for you as we come off of a holiday weekend or start a week of vacation. So we're going to be talking about meditation and stress today with Sam Hiddle. So she is a 500 hour teaching certified yoga teacher. She's been teaching and leading yoga classes since 2015, but delights in looking at the world from a student's perspective, forever learning. She's an instructor who is passionate about mindfulness, inclusivity, and self-love. Sam's practice is centered around a grateful heart, healing and joy. She believes that yoga is a beautiful and powerful gift that everyone should have the opportunity to receive. So Sam invites each of us to show up to our mass exactly as we are, wherever we have been and walk courageously towards our truth. Participating in yoga trainings in both the Western world and Eastern Bali and Indonesia, uh, participants in Sam's classes are provided with a unique experience of modern and ancient yoga teachings transferable to our everyday lives. She teaches by the phrase, may what we cultivate on our mats, extend beyond just that, and instead authentically flow through what we think, what we say, and what we do, always leading us back to our highest self. When Sam's not teaching, you may find Sam surfing at the beach, taking wild trips, biking across the country, or journaling in a quiet space, or simply making new friends wherever she goes, uh, which I found that to be very true. So Sam, welcome to Minimally Millennial. (laughs) What an introduction. Wow. <laughs> it was Absolutely. so good. I loved it. I was reading. I was like tearing up. I was like, this is so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, his words hitting the soul when I wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. I was like, oh, it's so good. No, but, but really, I'm so stoked. I can't wait for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we've been looking forward to it. <laughs> truly making friends wherever you go, because I had not met Sam until we hopped on this call. And now we have crossed paths. We found out multiple times in our lives. Yeah. And I feel like I already know you. Yeah. And Sam and I have like pseudo known each other for years through like me knowing her boyfriend since we were like infants, basically. And mm-hmm. uh, but never really getting to connect. So I'm really excited that we're able to have you on today to talk about meditation and stress. So Sam, that was a beautiful intro um, overview of, you know, like, I feel like who you are, but I want to know more before we get into this episode today on meditation and stress of your why. I know you've been a yoga teacher for, you know, quite a few years now, but you know, what's your story with it? What brings you to it and what keeps bringing you back to do this? Because, you know, you can feel your passion when you talk about it. So what, (laughs) what, uh, what does yoga do for you? Your why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason I have stuck with yoga so for so long and why I have implemented it into such being such a big part of my life is because I have literally seen the the benefits. I I suppose at the very, very beginning. So when I first got into yoga, um, I was playing basketball competitively and um, I had injured my knee. And so I was in the rehabilitation process. And so someone had 
referred me to do some yoga. And so it, that was very strictly for the physical benefits of yoga. And then it was shortly, very shortly after, because I am naturally super high energy. It, it was shortly after that. I was like, okay, like this, I'm kind of over this. This is pretty slow. I need something faster paced. I, I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this though. Cause I feel like I'm calming down. I'm slowing down. Um, when I was younger, I struggled a lot with anxiety, just things not going as planned. And I think I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that. I started to recognize that sitting still with myself and just literally breathing was really helpful. And that was when I was like, Hmm, I think I could kind of keep doing this. So, um, I mean, gosh, that was back in I was in seventh grade when I first kind of started to explore the physical properties um, of yoga and then was like, maybe there's something here mentally, um, emotionally and spiritually, but I was obviously very young throughout my life. And then into college where, you know, there is a lot of uh, stressors and anxiety and, and things like that, or my anxiety, I should say, wasn't really being managed, I started to hone in a little bit more on meditation specifically and um, concentrating a little bit more on my breathing and becoming a little bit more mindful of an individual as a whole. And it was there that I just started to become more joyous. I was just way more at peace with who I was as, as an individual, it was like stepping outside and literally feeling the sunshine on my skin made me feel good and made me feel happy. And it's little things like that. Most of our life is, is the small things it's mundane. It can feel very routine-esque. And I think that what meditation can start to expose is these little glimpses of what I like to call our highest selves when we're just truly at peace with, with who we are and where we're at and nothing else needs to be said or done. So that's my why. That's why I've stuck with it. That's why I continue to do it every single day, every single morning. I don't really feel like I'm complete until I've meditated and, and gotten to spend a little bit of time with myself. And I'm grateful for that practice, but man, it's been a journey. <laughs> Wow. To recognize it so young. I'm like very impressed. I don't even think I could have like said what yoga was in the seventh grade. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really know what it, what it was then, but, uh, you know, for rehabilitation, as you guys both probably know, I was like, man, I think that there's something more than just the physical benefits of this. So I'm grateful for it, but man, it was not any kind of uh, yoga practice that I have now. <laughs> I feel like meditation, stress, and anxiety are always those words that get floated around in our site, but nobody really knows what any of it means necessarily or like how to implement them. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, meditation is like my jam. So I, I can't wait to dive into this. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel like it's your jam, but you're also such like a lively and like energetic person that I can't picture you just sitting down and like doing it, but I also can, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, it's a beautiful balance and it's why I needed it so much in my life, but that's exactly what it is. I'm naturally so high energy. And I feel like most, most Americans are so go, 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 which I know we'll talk about, but it's this beautiful balance that we don't even realize we need, but we do. <laughs> yes. Especially in the culture that we have yeah. here of like, you know, the work with working and not ever taking intentional time to slow down. Right. Um, so before we dive into the specifics of what it's going to look like today and, you know, ask you, you know, all of your opinion on everything, I did want to go into a little bit of details about, you know, what is stress and anxiety? Because I know that sometimes the words can get used interchangeably. Um, so I did a little bit of research and like kind of the stressors we see in our everyday lives as a foundation yeah. before we get into our 
conversation and get y'all's Perfect. thoughts on it. Yeah. So um, this is from Headspace, which is a great app if anybody hasn't ever tried it. I don't know if Agreed. you have ever tried it, but it's the only yeah. way I've tried to meditate. But they define um, stress as, you know, a reaction that kicks in due to a specific situation that we can see and comprehend. Like I have a deadline at work I have to meet or I need to fit something in with a specific time frame. It's something that we can see and comprehend what's happening around us. And they define anxiety as a visceral feeling that can linger and is not always clear why it's happening and why it's sticking around. I think that those distinctions are really important because from what I at least read on my little research that meditation has been proven to help manage both. Correct. We talk about, you know, an MRI study that showed that long-term meditation can actually reduce our, or can actually reduce the ability of our brain to get hyped up on stress basically, which I thought was crazy. Um, (laughs) right. It's like, how, what? Yeah. How, what? <laughs> and I don't think there's basically anybody alive today that hasn't said like, I feel like I'm having anxiety or I am stressed. So yeah. what are you guys' thoughts on that between the difference of the two before we kind of get into how to use meditation around that? I was thinking that there was something I read earlier this week talking about um, being able to recognize in yourself the difference between stress and anxiety. And I think we have talked about it in some other episodes because I guess more of the importance is recognizing how to manage both. So if you have a stressful situation versus I'm having an anxiety attack or uh, basically chronic anxiety, you have to manage those a little bit differently. But I would imagine meditation to some extent is going to be beneficial for both. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think too, when we can better identify stressors in our life and things that we know will either cause us stress or are currently causing us stress, then we're just better able to not only identify them, but serve those, then work to eliminate or manage them. And then they don't develop into like, okay, I think I've handled that, but it's actually just being suppressed deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it's never actually being addressed fully or, or even healed from fully, depending on how, you know, intense the the stress is. And then that's when we start to see anxiety because, People are always, I remember when I suffered from anxiety quite some time ago, they're like, what are you, what are you anxious about? I'm like, that's the thing that is anxiety right there. Like, I can't tell you, I'm just really feeling that. And so I think that meditation, and I'll talk a little bit about this too later on, but what I think the beautiful thing about meditation is, is it essentially creates more space on how we perceive the world around us. And then how we respond to the world around us. So when we meditate and whether that space is physically seen or we take a longer time to respond to our external stimuli, meditation gives us that this kind of expanding feature and we're not able or we're better able to just let these stressors maybe affect us slightly and then roll off or shift off. They don't, we don't internalize them so much that it becomes crushing, crippling anxiety. Um, and we all handle that differently. And like I said, I think that there's such a difference between the stressors of a super traumatic incident. And then the stressors of, you know, having a a huge exam coming up, they're all true. And, um, they're all stress that we feel, but I think that there are some different kinds of levels, but yeah, meditation is so great for, for both of them, but kind of addressing the, the immediate stressors so that hopefully, they can just roll off, drift on, and um, we don't suppress it so much that it becomes anxiety. 
I think that's like such a good point because something else I was reading, it was talking about the way that stress truly affects our brain and specifically like Mm. the amygdala. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but they're basically like your fear center in your brain. I'm trying to like pull it back from college, Um, (laughs) but they were talking about something called like the drip effect of stress and how like slow stress without figuring out how to manage it over time can change the way our brain responds to it. And the same way is true. If you learn to manage it and do something like meditation and actively manage it can change it for the better instead of putting Mm -hmm. us into that fight or flight mode every time a stressor like comes at us even if it's something minor to lead to that long-term generalized anxiety yeah and it's essentially recreating um or re-navigating different patterns in our brain so whereas something used to like I can think of in my own life things used to happen in my life that would throw me off. I'm such a planner and I still am to this day. And it's like, if it doesn't, if something got thrown into the schedule that wasn't supposed to be like, all hell broke loose, you know what I mean? And, and it truly like was crippling and my whole day was ruined and, and whatnot, but, um, it does, it's, it's a practice. Meditation is a practice. So it, doesn't just happen overnight. And it absolutely doesn't solve all of our problems. The first five minutes we do it. Um, but it's a practice. And over time we can start to make some different patterns in our brain where things don't impact us so deeply or, or impact us so negatively per se. You know, I've, I've tried meditation before and I can never <laughs> feel like I like shut my brain down. And so the uh, my therapist like was always would always give me examples of saying like, okay, if you can't like take it that step further into like truly sitting down and being with yourself and figuring it out, she was like, start with just feeling how your body responds when you start getting anxious or stressed. And that was a lot harder than I thought. She was like, well, what does your body feel like? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, yeah. what happens? She's like, does your chest get tight? Do you do this? I was like, I don't know. Like never thought about it. <laughs> I've never thought about it. So like, what would you, what do you recommend? Maybe if you have any of those people in your classes or when you're teaching someone meditation for the first time, like a good first step, if they say like, I don't even know if I can sit down for a minute with my own thoughts. And I think what you said is what I hear all the time. Like, Sam, I cannot shut my brain off. And I think the first thing I'd like to say is it's not about shutting your brain off. And and actually your brain wants to talk. Your brain like wants to speak. Um, And it's really important to hear what it is telling you. Although at times it is scary and although at times it's it's hard to hear what it's saying, but the separation comes between um, recognizing that your thoughts are one thing and then you are another thing. And so when we meditate, we actually... It, it almost sounds kind of silly, but it's like taking a step back and becoming an observer of what is going on in your mind. Um, that was one of um, something my teacher told me over and over and over again, to become an observer, create a, a separation here between the thoughts that you're having and then just who who you really truly are or who you, you feel like you are. Um, so I think that that's a great place to start is, is first to just acknowledge that like your brain's not going to want to shut off right away. Um, and then the other thing is, man, we live in such a go, go, go that sitting down. And like, if I were to just do it right here, it's like, move the phone, maybe like dim the light slightly. And then closing your eyes. That's, that's right there. Boom. Hardest part. It's like eliminating some of these distractions. Um, And then getting to a place where it's okay. You don't have to sit there for, you know, two minutes, even you can just try it one time. 
And then maybe the next day it's more familiar. You're like, okay, I'm just going to sit down. We're going to see what happens. I would describe what you just shared um, about this awareness of your physical body. Um, something that I oftentimes walk um, participants through as being a, a mindfulness meditation, super simple. I would say that the majority of people who meditate um, practice it on a, on a mindful meditation technique, which is simply as you described, sitting with yourself, noticing like, okay, I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable here. I feel silly. Is anyone watching me? And then taking it that step further of being like, hmm, like my chest kind of feels tight or like, I actually just got kind of hot, like at the back of my neck sweating, or I'm squeezing up my shoulders and I, I don't even know why off, you know, I've seen sometimes in, um, clients who have experienced trauma, they, everything starts to kind of close in. So their knees will start to come in towards their chest. The chest starts to lower and it's literally the physical body is just starting to curl up into a ball and they don't even recognize that they're doing that. Um, sure. It might not be as dramatic as that, but just, um, subtle, you know, we want to curl up, we want to hide away we want to shy away, um, from things. So mindfulness meditation, like you described is super powerful because it's just drawing more awareness to like, what is going on between this relationship in my mind and my physical body. And they're so connected. We oftentimes don't think that they are, but, um, stress manifests in our body through all sorts of um, different physical ailments, high blood pressure, poor sleep, um, just to name a few. But yeah, mindful meditation is a wonderful place to start and can seem scary. But like you said, you wouldn't even think like, ah, oh, I've never even thought about like my chest feeling kind of tight or that temperature rise. You know, when you, when people get really nervous or their heart racing, those are all things that you just go that one step further and, um, apply a little bit more awareness to that's meditation. <laughs> I've only, only been trying it for a few weeks now, but it was like, it was so odd the first time I like noticed it because I would tell her like, oh, well, when I, you know, stress, my like speech increases, or, you know, I start to overthink or I reach out to friends, to, like talk about a situation. She's like, but what happens right before that? And I was like, no idea. And now it's, it's so weird because it's such a specific thing that I never would have thought, but it's like right underneath my collarbones get tight. Like starting, and I was like, I was like, this is weird. It, it's, it's like, it's weird. And I feel like I still can't like sit down and like, think about it. But when I start to notice it, I'm like, she was right. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Happened. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, and I'm seeing it, but yeah, it's like very, a very weird experience when it first happened, but I have noticed like it actually does help. So, you know, you've talked through that mindful meditation practice. Like what would you say that, I guess that step further is I don't, I don't know how to word this. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think about it? How do you focus your thoughts? Because I feel like for me personally, JP, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I've tried and I just feel like it goes around like almost like a tornado before it like calms down. And I've been told before, like picture at first I was like, this sounds like a load of crap. And then I tried it and I was like, wait, that's actually pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. But she was like, picture two doors, like let your thoughts walk in one, see yeah. what they are and walk out the other. And I was like, that's like the only way I can make it not be a tornado. So like, what do you recommend as far as like what's actually happening outside of the body, like in that brain during that space and time and stress or with meditation, if that question made sense? <laughs> yeah, it sure did. It sure did. I, I think the majority of people, there's some sort of study and I, I don't know exactly what it is, but a large majority of us humans are visual people. We're visual learners, um, which is also why when we eliminate the, by closing our eyes, we eliminate our, our um, sense of sight. 
it's also kind of scary because we're like, whoa, this is like how I learn by seeing the world around me and in meditation. And, and now you can do it with, with eyes open and more concentrated meditations that I can talk about. But for the most part, going inward by closing the eyes um, is a wonderful place to start. But typically when I walk through a large group, through meditation, typically in Shavasana, which if anyone's done yoga, they know it's at the end of class. The best part. Gener- yeah, right. Everyone's like, best part. So if I'm leading people through um, a meditation there at the end, typically walk them through is something similar, but I would encourage people to make it relatable to you. So something very simple, like a door opening and closing is something we can all relate to. I've also had, when I've taught um, a goddess yoga class, which is a very feminine class, I've led a meditation where you actually imagine a flower And again, it's all just, it's just visual representation. So imagining a flower and then at the center are all of these thoughts or words or whatever jumbled up. It could be a color, you know, you could go as far into depth as you'd like. And then every single petal is removed. And then slowly all of the words just kind of seep out. Um, I'll oftentimes tell people to create a blank white canvas in their mind. Um, And then as different experiences or emotions shift into um, kind of like your gaze or this white canvas, just literally watch them kind of float, dance, move, you know, twerk out, whatever they want to (laughs) do. But really, I think making it, making it relatable um, is important to, yeah, uh, accept things that are coming in because that's the thing, you know, your your brain's not going to be quiet. Things are going to pop up. It's about how you can kind of acknowledge them. See like, hmm, I wonder why this is, is coming to my attention right now. And then being like, hmm, I'm going to choose to let this go and just draw it right back. And everyone's always like, well, how, how do I draw that right back, Sam? I think your breath is the easiest way to just come back to the now. So if you have, for example, something that starts to come into your mind, that is all of your tasks for the day, right? That happens a lot when I teach a morning class, everyone's like, man, I'm sitting here in, you know, Shavasana, I've got all of these things to do. They're like, oh, I've got this X, Y, Z to do. And then at that time, I'm typically like, okay, so if you're right this moment, considering all the things that you have to do and you're not right here with your body, come back to your breath, take a big inhale, feel the air going in, feel everything rise, everything's expanding. And then on the exhale, connecting a little bit deeper to what you're sitting on, to what you're laying on and starting to find your, your present space your breath counting with your breath is such a great way to kind of like reel it back in. (laughs) So how did you learn all this? (laughs) Yeah, I would say that practicing meditation for probably five years consistently. Now I have been my own best teacher and I tell every single person who does yoga with me, I'm up here leading you through these postures and through these pranayama, these bre- this breathing technique or whatever it is, but you are your own best teacher. I think that that along with the time that I spent in Bali, Indonesia, I had a teacher there um, who was, his name was Guru Mook. We spent an hour to an hour and a half every single night meditating, which if you've never meditated, <laughs> you're Holy like, I can't. Cow. Yeah. You're like, like I, I would just fall asleep. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and oftentimes there at the beginning and, and lots of students did at times because you are in such a relaxed state. You do, you can actually actually fall into sleep, which is not the goal of meditation. You should absolutely be relaxed, but the goal is to not actually fall asleep. But um, that kind of intense training of meditating super special to me, um, such a valuable learning experience. Um, I learned a lot of different techniques, one of which was humming, which I was like, I really would love to share that with people. When we, when we lose the idea of humming and how silly that sounds, or, oh my gosh, if someone just watched me humming, like <laughs> you just visualize this human being sitting down meditating and humming, um, when we get rid of that humming is so powerful. Um, it actually, the, the vibration, it, it relaxes us. So our central nervous system starts to over time feel safe. And so we go into a, a very relaxed state. So I encourage people to bring more humming into their practice, give it a shot, make it long, uh, make it fun techniques like that, that have just been really valuable to me. So I absolutely attribute it to uh, my time in, in Indonesia and with a wonderful teacher, and then also just doing it and seeing what feels good and what calms me down. Cause it has to calm other people down too. My grandmother talks about a humming and tapping technique that her therapist taught her. She like takes her hands and she'll hum and then like taps her chest. I don't know the tapping pattern, but uh, I don't know if you know anything about that. Wow. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the tapping. I'm not. And I love that it's on the chest. Like that's really cool. So I'll have to, I'll have to ask her about it because she, I mean, she does it like, we'll see her all of a sudden just go into a place where she just mm. takes a big deep breath, hums, and then is tapping her chest and it helps center her. Oh, I love that. I think one of the coolest things I've seen is I, I teach yoga to, um, adults with disabilities, both physical disabilities and intellectual disabilities. It's mostly chair bound yoga. So not your traditional, you know, or I'm doing my air quotes, uh, <laughs> traditional yoga. And there's lots of, you know, interruptions and random clapping and things like that. But at the end, we always end the same way and we do probably two minutes of just humming with our breath. So taking an inhale and then beginning to hum and repeating that. And for these adults who, you know, typically can't control noises that they make or, or things like that, there's a complete silence and a complete stillness at the end of every one of our sessions. And it's wow. pretty magical. It is. It's, it's pretty magical to, to witness and um, to also share with them so that they know they can come to that place anytime it's accessible everywhere and anywhere you can come to a place where if they feel like they need to hum or, you know, anyone listening or when I feel like I need to hum to just recenter yourself, just like you said, your grandmother does it's powerful. And I bet there's a lot of science and studies in adults with disabilities and adults without disabilities, just yeah. taking that moment to hum. Yes. I mean, that's and why it sounds what you silly, <laughs> right. right? No, and it, it just sounds silly. But once we let that go, it's, it's amazing. It is super, super powerful. And, um, and just a great resource that I think people are sometimes scared to, to tap into. <laughs> I feel like it's so great. Cause I know we talked about it before we got on here, but that's something that I feel like I comp like I comprehensively understood, but meditation is accessible to anyone, anywhere. It does not cost 
anything. And I know that's a big part of your practice is making sure yeah. that yoga and the benefits of yoga and meditation in regards to how stressful life can be and everything, you know, is accessible, like is accessible. You, yes. you really focus on accessibility, which I think is amazing because it, it should be it's mm-hmm. not something as we always say, it's like nothing we were taught in school. Nobody was like, this is how you should deal with your stress and anxiety. Yes. Or like, here are options for dealing with stress and anxiety. It's like, no, you're going to just do it. <laughs> Or, you know, like I know the, the three of us are, are very familiar with this sort of grind mentality mm-hmm. of just like the hustle, you know, you got to be working all the time. And, you know, I have really found myself taking a step back and being like, you know what, like, I love hustling, but I love rest. And I love refilling my cup. And I feel like I am of better service to every single person I encounter when I am taking care of me. Yeah, it, it's a huge part of my life to make yoga accessible to every single person, a huge part of my life. And it has kind of fallen into that naturally, which I'm grateful for. Um, after I just kind of took on more opportunities, teaching to older adults and then teaching to adults with disabilities and then teaching, you know, kids yoga. And when I spent time in the elementary school, incorporating it into Um, the classroom setting, it's kind of like, whoa, we all need this, regardless of our age, regardless of our financial status. It's, you know, we all should have access to it. So I love that. I recognize that my trainings are important in the time that I have dedicated to learning this beautiful practice. um, That's super valuable, but it is at the end of service to other people. And I'm, I'm proud that I can make that service accessible for sure. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's, it's my jam makes my heart happy and I wouldn't do it if, um, if I didn't love it with my whole heart. So, so now that you talk about accessibility, how can people find you? Yeah. Oh man. I've got a website. It's samanthahiddle.com. You can read, um, a little bit more about who I am. I put my, my classes on there. So if you're ever in the Wilmington, North Carolina area and you want to come do a physical class with me, I also have stuck with my zoom yoga. I really thought it would be done by now. It was something that, um, COVID kind of brought into fruition, but, um, we're hanging strong with it. So that's Monday night, but yeah, check out the website. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm also just Sam Hiddle on there short and simple. Yeah. Get in touch. If, if anyone has more questions or, you know, I'd love, I would just love to be a resource to anyone. So those are two great places to find me. And, you know, kind of our last rounding up question, we've loved having you on today to kind of talk about this in your journey and how it's impacted your life and how it, you know, can translate into other lives as well, especially in regards to stress. But what would be, I guess, your final, you know, point of someone who's maybe listening to this knows they need some, something in their life to help manage this, but have never Mm. thought about meditation before. What would be your final note to them? Oh, what a beautiful question. I just start know that you do. It's something that just so feels good for you. You're just serving yourself. So put your phone away you know, eliminate distractions and know that the hardest thing is just starting. And then you will eventually, it will become more familiar. You'll be able to revisit that place in one minute turns into five, which turns into 10. And next thing you know, you're meditating for 20 minutes. So an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Over an hour and a half. Over an hour and a half. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, just start. And, um, you know, know that it's going to be uncomfortable at first. It's totally going to be weird, but just start 
take a deep breath, see what kind of comes up, you know, you'll work through some things that maybe you thought you already, um, you already had and, you know, start to kind of heal and then bloom into the, the best version of yourself. I, I think that's what I'd like to, to, to end with. <laughs> wow. That was beautiful. I feel like I just read that right out of like a Yogi manual. That was so good. <laughs> Well, Sam, we've really appreciated your expertise today on this, you know, on this yeah. episode and wanted to make sure that it reached our audience, but thank you so much for, thank you know, you coming on it. and hopefully everybody go out and find Sam on Instagram and on her website. But until then, we'll see you guys yeah. next week. Oh, <laughs> much love you guys. Thanks. Namaste. 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 <laughs> I loved it. Hey, M&Ms. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, don't forget to follow or subscribe. If you are feeling super generous, you can even rate and leave a review. Remember, the more we hear from our listeners, the more we can customize our content to your liking. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, so make sure to check us out. A new episode is released every Monday, so set those reminders and we'll see you next week.